Let's bow our heads to pray. One thing I know, Heavenly Father, if I live to be 120, you will be a greater, more awesome God than I even know today. Help me, Father, to stand aside figuratively and let that wonderful Spirit of God who has never failed me speak loudly to these beautiful people who may live to be 120 years if you tarry. And we will thank thee for the blessing in spite of me. In Jesus' name, amen. I can remember the first sermon I ever preached in the Mansfield Church. I think I was either 27 or 28 years old, scared to death. In fact, my knees were shaking. And Jacob and Lucas Kittelberger's great-grandfather laid his hand on my knee, and he said in German, he said, Brother Bob, don't worry. It'll be good. Do you know who went to the pulpit with me? Satan himself. Nobody saw him, I'm sure, because nobody cleared out. But he stood beside me, and you know what he did? He pointed out the oldest, whitest hairs of, of, of the people in that congregation that I esteemed and loved in the Lord uh, like, like my grandparents, almost. And he said to me, you young punk. That's the term that was used back in those days when you didn't amount to much. You were a punk. You young punk, what can you teach these old people? And then another voice said, Satan... He can't teach them anything, nothing at all. But the Spirit of God is going to speak through this young man in spite of you. Guess who won that argument? Of course, you know who did. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Would you believe that I remembered that when uh, Tom, Tommy, I called him. I won't tell you what his uh, nickname was. I won't embarrass him. But Tommy... When, he, when he, he sent me a note and he said, uh, I want you to do this, I remembered that encounter in my first sermon. And the same devil, you think he'd, he'd learn after a while, but he doesn't. He learns, but he doesn't give up. Said to me, what, old man, what, what do you want with these young people? What can you tell them? And the voice within me that I've learned to know over the years said, you know what? You can tell them how great I am and what great things you have, I have done in your life, old man. And that's why I'm here. I hope when we're finished that you will realize, perhaps from my experience, some of it, and I'm going to share some things with you, also with some, script, uh, some scriptures, of course, what God has done in my life. If somebody would have asked me, as they ask every young believer here, who do you think Jesus is? Oh, he's everything to me. We sing the song, don't we? How many names does he have in the scriptures? Probably 50. Why is that? Because he can be everything to everyone who understands who he really is. I'm going to use three big words tonight, and then I'll explain them to you, because I had to look them up in the dictionary. I kind of knew what they meant, 
One is that God or Christ or the Holy Spirit, all three being the same, is omnipotent. That means that he has unlimited authority and influence. That's true in the world, and that's true in everybody's life that incorporates his omnipotence. The second is he's omniscient, meaning that he has unlimited creative power and dominion over that which he created. Thirdly, he's omnipresent, and that means he is everywhere all the time. And I want to start from that premise. I was raised by Christian parents like you. I was taught to pray. Now I lay me down to sleep or pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Amen. Get up off the floor. It's cold. Get in that warm bed. I was taught by my parents to pray. So were you. That's a great habit. That's a good habit. But I remember coming to a point in my life where I said, you know what? Sunday morning, Sunday school and Bible class and a service is enough for a guy that's 14 years old and has heard that over and over and over again. So my best buddy was one of our preacher's sons, and we got into all kinds of mischief on Sunday afternoons. My father never said, you get into this old Ford because we're all gone to church. He simply asked, aren't you going to get ready? And I said, no. And I remember saying goodbye to my friend Jim Meister, and, and he went a half mile and a half to his house, and I went back a mile and a half to the farm, and I went into the barn thinking, hey, we had a great time today, Jim and I, this afternoon. Didn't even wonder what they had done in church. And as I was coming down out of the loft where the hay and, and, and the straw was into that barn, halfway down those stairs... I heard somebody call my name. I heard it. I didn't imagine it. It wasn't a hallucination. I heard it. And as I stood there, transfixed on that staircase coming down from the loft, the first thing that came to my mind was, you know, the story of Samuel when, when God called him three times? And he really didn't know it was God that was calling uh, so he went to let you know the story. We haven't got time to, to reiterate it. But I remember when my mother came home and she got out of her one or two, one Sunday dress. She might have had a second one, but she usually wore that one into her chicken feeding clothes. I decided I better find out what she thinks about this. So I went to my God-fearing mother. This obstinate, young, youngest son of hers went up to this uh, farmer mother and said, Mama, tell me, what's it like when God calls you? And I remember the tears coming down her ruddy cheeks, not from a salon, but working in the garden. Tears ran down, and she said, Son, I can't tell you what it's like when God calls you, but I can tell you, if he did, you're going to know it, and you'll never be the same again. Well, like most young fellows, I took that to heart for briefly, and then in the winter, I have to tell you these stories because, you know, if you ever see a license plate from the, the, the state of Missouri, it's the, it's the show-me state. Did I believe, for example, that uh, 
the great fish swallowed Jonah? Yeah, I believe that, sort of. But I sure would like to have some proof. The Lord provided me with that when I read a story one day, at an account one day, when a sailor on a whaling uh, ship was swallowed up by this great fish. They got him up on the butchering deck and opened it up, and the man was still alive. And then I believed, well, I guess, I guess then Jonah was in the belly of that fish. That's the kind of person I was. And so I needed to have proof. Like from Missouri, just show me, and I'll believe. I was a Thomas, you see. Lord, let me put my fingers in the nail prints in your hand and my fist in your side, and I'll believe who you are. That's the way I started out my relationship with God. And in the winter of 1947, extra cold winter, we uh, contracted something, George and I both did, called encephalitis, which was a virus infection of the brain. I was in the hospital and in a coma 10 days, uh, came out of it blind. And, and if you ever visit somebody in the hospital who's in a coma, I'm going to tell you, be careful what you say or take any kind of liberties to say whatever you want because they hear you. They can't respond, but they hear you. And I heard doctors say to my parents that were standing around, we don't know what this boy has. We, we, we don't know how to, tr to treat him. One said I had meningitis, one said I had nephritis, one said I had polio, and, 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 and honestly, none of them knew. And while I lay in that coma, realizing, we used to have a saying that, that you got one foot in the grave and the other on a banana peeling, meaning it's pretty good that you might skid the whole way in. I realized that was the case. 14 years old and ready to die? Oh, no, 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 no. Not at all. And I begged God. I said, Lord, you know, I, I, I can't go like this. I absolutely can't go like this. I'm not ready to die. Well, I'm here. I'm now 75, by the way. And, and, and I'm still here. It's amazing to me that I still am. But I remember coming home from that hospital that night, weak as, 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 as a pup, and, and just absolutely exhausted, Laying in my bed, I fell asleep. I woke up uh, a little bit before 11, and my father heard me stir. And, you know, farmers aren't up at 11. Uh, they're in bed because they're going to get, get up uh, at 5 in the morning and milk about 30 head of cattle, uh, cows. And, and my father came to the door, and he was fully dressed in his only Sunday suit, and he was crying. I never saw my dad cry before. So I'm getting a message. Something's wrong here. The, the Big Ben clock said it's almost 11, and that's the first time I realized that my brother wasn't there because we slept together. And David and, and my kids would say, yeah, now you're going to tell us the snow is coming from underneath the door, and it was cold, and that, that's true. But in that cold bedroom, for the first time, this rebellious young man, young lad, got out on that cold floor and said, God, I don't know what's wrong here, but I sure know it's not good. I don't know where my brother is, but you do. I don't know what straits he's in, but you do. God, I beg you, whatever it is, 
If you are who you say you are, please save my brother. I fell asleep. Woke up in the morning. My mama was sitting beside me on a chair. She looked terrible, like she had been up for who knows how long, and she probably was. And she said, how are you? I said, well, mama, you know, I, 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 I slept pretty good, but, but I woke up last night, and I told her what I just told you, and, and the tears started down her face again. She said, let me tell you what happened at 11 o'clock last night. She said, your brother was dying. They had tourniquets on his arms and his legs so his heart wouldn't have to pump it all away uh, to the extremities of his body. They had this new drug called penicillin. It was wartime, or right after the war, and she and dad were asked to give permission to give a 10 times normal dose of penicillin to either bring my brother through a crisis or it would kill him. That's their decision to make. So they retired to a little room and they prayed together and they remembered the story of the daughter of Jairus who everybody said had died and Jesus said, no, 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 no. He's not dead. He's just sleeping. He's just sleeping. And on that faith thought process that went through their minds, they agreed it's time to, to do what the doctors said. Guess what the first thing was when actually 11 o'clock his heart stopped and then started again. And when he woke up in the morning, he looked at my mother and said, gee, mama, did I sleep good? You tell me that those are coincidences. They aren't. They're the working of an almighty God who wants to be all things to all men and women, young and old, just like you are tonight, young people, planning for the rest of your lives. And so it was that both of us became converted. And we had an old grandma that lived with us, and, 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 and you know, an old woman. She was 50 years old. And I thought, well, she's not long for this world, so we probably shouldn't get used to, to, to her uh, being in the house very long. And she couldn't understand conversion. And when I w was, was repenting of my sin, of course, I became a more reasonable uh, person with a less sharp tongue and, and a little more cooperative spirit. And she said to my mother, you know, Margaret, we, we need, we've got to take Bobby back to the hospital or the doctor. I think he's getting sick again. And Mama said, no, Grandma, he's not getting sick again. He's getting well for the first time in his life. And that was the beginning of my experience with God, a God that is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent, a God that I could call on at 11 o'clock at night in my need. And probably there were 3 million other people uh, had the Lord up that, at 11 o'clock that hour, but he was interested in me and what my needs were. And I, I, I literally challenged him to prove his love for me by responding to what I felt was a deepest need of my heart at that point in time. And he did. He did. He's everywhere at all times. The Bible tells us that when Moses, Moses was 40 years old, when he left uh, Egypt, uh, Pharaoh's half-brother, he was 80 years old when he went back to Egypt, and before he went, he said, you know, God, he's standing there by that bush in his bare feet, and he said, God, please, uh, I, I can't speak well. Who am I going to, uh, how am I going to represent myself? Well, I'm going to have your brother and sister do that. 
but who should I tell him uh, is, is here? And he said, you tell them who sent him, it, I am that I am. Just tell them that I am sent you. And Moses knew that he was dealing with a God who always was, who was present everywhere he would go, and would have the last word in every showdown that happened in that whole experience of Moses' life. In our time, it says, and I will pray the Father, Jesus saying, I will pray the Father, he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, for he dwelleth in you and shall be in you. I remember when Tommy's sister, Barbara, was repenting. And she came to me and she said, Uncle Bob, you know, Sundays are wonderful. I, I'm just, I'm, I, and she probably experienced, like you do, that camps are wonderful. But you know, when I go back to school on Monday, it, it kind of all falls apart. I said, well, why should it fall apart? Well, she said, you know, when we're in church, the Spirit is here, the Lord is here. Barbara, take him to school. Don't leave him in church. Take him to school. He wants to dwell in you and abide with you. And in Matthew uh, 28, it says, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the world. When, when is the end of your world? I don't know, but I was thrilled to know that when it was the end of my brother's world, which was the Saturday after Thanksgiving last year, that a woman watched what happened in a rearview mirror and she saw this man fly off his bicycle and so she went back and she took his hand and said the Lord's Prayer and he repeated it with her out loud. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world, whenever that is for you, providing that his Holy Spirit is dwelling in you. It's not enough that you know about him. It's not enough that you know him. It's not enough that you walk with Him. You have to live and walk in Him to garner all of these tremendous attributes that accrue to all of those who trust them with all their heart and with all their soul. The problem with today's easy evangelism is as long as you know Jesus, that's all it takes. That's not true. You got to more than just know Him. You got to more than just claim Him as, as Savior. You got to have him be Lord and master of your life. If he's going to abide with you forever, it's got to be in here. It's not someplace else. And I remember then, uh, ye some years passing, and, and, and what are some of the things that you uh, are, are concerned about? I know what they are. I was young once too, believe it or not. Uh, what am I going to do for a living? Uh, who's going to be my helpmate? in my life that, 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 that will make my life complete? Uh, how will I deal with the children that you give me? And, and I'm here to tell you that God already has an answer to all of those questions, already. He has a perfect plan laid out for you that absolutely is flawless if you're willing to commit that whole plan to Him. People used to ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? I actually used to say when I was a little kid, I want to be a bum. Because back in those days, 
was Depression times, and, and uh, they would walk up and down Route 13, and I, five years old, would be standing along the roadside, and I'd say to these hobos, or bums that they were called, uh, hey, come on in, my mama's going to feed you. I thought, boy, that's a, uh, how could you have it better? That's better than a Holiday Inn. That's not just a continental meal. My mama stopped everything she was doing and cooked a full meal to whomever I brought into the door. And when I got older, I said, Mama, why didn't you say to me, you know, in the middle of the morning, in the middle of the afternoon, for me to drop everything and get out all my pots and pans and feed a stranger, you know, enough's enough. No, 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 no. You know what she said? Oh, she said, when you did that, that was fine with me. Because she said, I believe that when that happened, you were inviting angels into our home. And I may have, in fact, fed an angel unaware. But I, I ended up more, more than, than being a hobo. But, it, but, but, but the point is, if I look at my career path, young people, if I look at my career path, I can see a perfect plan for every job, and I didn't have a lot of jobs, somehow I never could stay longer than seven or eight or nine years for some reason. If, I, if there was no challenge, I had to move on. But anyway, the, the point was, it was perfect. Every job was a stepping stone to the next job the Lord had in mind for me. My sweetheart of 54 and a half, almost 55 years, I remember I used to think, boy, I wonder, I, I wonder who, who, who I'm going to live my life with. And it became an obsession to me, really did. And I said, uh, Lord, you know, I used to have devotions every morning before I went to school. I said, Lord, not that that's a problem to me. I'm only 17 years old. But, but it's, it's important to me to know that there's somebody out there that you have prepared for me. And so I walked down the stairs after my devotions, and I usually made a left turn and a straight line right to the front door of the school about a mile down the way, and through a park, and the Holy Spirit said, no, 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 no. You're going to go one block this way? Well, you know, I didn't know much about geometry, but I did know that the shortest distance between two points was a straight line. That I knew. But the Spirit said, and I'm telling you, as, as, as a lad, as a, as a young believer, it mattered to me what the Spirit said. And so I went an extra block that way and down another street and my wife lived on the other side of town and was walking across the street. And the Spirit said to me, there she goes. Stop this nonsense of worrying about, I, I've got that all prepared. And, and, and the only thing I'm sorry for is the other brother that asked her first and she just couldn't give him a yes answer, ended up being a poor fella because I really got the cream of the crop. The Lord has that all prepared, loved ones. He really does. And, and, and you can count on that. You can bank on it. And unfortunately, we, we, we see things most clearly in retrospect, looking back at it. And, and it, it, it has humbled me that I haven't had enough faith in God to be able to take whatever God sees in the forward part of my life and believe that that's absolutely the best thing that could ever happen to me. I had some experiences too. The loss of a child that, that, that I absolutely today yet find difficult to handle when I think about it. And I, 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 I became so bitter against God 
so bitter against God that I used to kneel down to pray in it, and, and all I could say was, God, if this is your recompense for service, God pity those folks who don't do anything. And I'd hop into bed, and that would be the end. If I'm a debtor twice, God could have dropped me like a hot potato because I became embittered against him, and, and I railed against him. And he still saw something worse. Keep working on. You know, this, this expression, God's not done with me yet, he, he's not, and, but, and that's kind of glib. But the fact is, my problem was, I didn't know how out of shape the vessel still was, even after several years of being a believer, a Bible class teacher. How, how, how going back on that potter's wheel again was going to be a painful experience. And loved ones, that's also what you can expect. That's what you can expect if God really loves you and wants you to realize, to experience that total plan for your life. There are going to be some rough times. There are going to be some times of weeping. There are going to be some times of wondering. But loved ones, I want to tell you, I, I, you know when I realized when I really matured? When finally it was all over and, 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 and my only sibling, my brother, was, was in his grave, I realized that I never railed against God about what happened. I never asked God at all, Lord, why did you do it that way? Why did he have to go like that? I never questioned God about that because by now I know. You see, I told you I was from Missouri. I need to have it proven to me. By now God has proven to me over and over and over again that this is a day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it even that Saturday after Thanksgiving. And everything that God does, everything, people, is good and has our best at heart. And the glorification of God, the Heavenly Father. He's omnipotent. I, I want to read a couple of scriptures. For thou art the, the same, and thy years have no end. Psalm 102, 27. The same. I'm a young father back in Mansfield, coming home from a, from a, a youth group meeting where I had really convinced the young people that Jesus really did heal the sick and make the blind to see and the lame to walk. And I was really smug about that, feeling really good. They really got a dose that was not only palatable but believable. I pull up to my old brick house, on the corner of Stewart Avenue and Maple Street, and the lights are all on. I go in the house, there's a baby screaming upstairs. My capable nurse wringing her hands, wringing her hands. She said, that child has an inner earache. I've tried oil. I've tried everything under the sun. I can't do anything more. And the Spirit said, now, practice what you preached. Go up in that bedroom where that five-year-old is screaming, and no, 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 no silent prayer, no silent prayer. You're going to take her hand and you're going to pray for Jesus to take that earache away. Oh, I can tell you there were exactly 14 steps on that stairway. I, I counted every one of them and the devil was on every one of them with me. And I got to the top and I knew what I had to do. And you, and, and, and you know what? 
I realized that I really didn't think it was going to happen. In 14 steps up those stairs, the devil said, you know, convince me, you're going to do something with this five-year-old that isn't going to work, and she'll never believe anything you say about Jesus for the rest of your life. But the other voice said, there's always the other voice, and it doesn't scream as loudly as the first one. The other voice that says, no, 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 he's wrong. It is going to work, and God is going to be glorified, and you're going to get some sleep. I took that little five-year-old girl's hand that now is a grandmother, and I said, as I did when I said, I'll go on Tommy's faith tonight, I said, honey, do you really believe that Jesus made the blind see and the lame walk? Oh, she said, yeah, Daddy, I do. I said, well, then we're going to pray that he's going to take your earache away. And we prayed, and he did. And she went to sleep, and I couldn't for a long time. Again, I had not underestimated God. I hadn't believed that God was even going to try to perform the thing that seemed so amazingly proper two hours ago when I shared it with somebody else, this history of all of this. Why should he do that for me and my little girl upstairs? For the same reason, he wants to do all that you will ever need for you and everyone you love if you trust him with all your heart, soul, and mind. The very fact that he has unlimited authority and influence, the very fact that he is omnipotent, anyone would be a fool for not claiming, anybody would be a fool for not selling all that they could have, if, if, if money could buy it, a man would be a fool not to spend all of his life accumulating enough to buy this great gift. And here it is, offered to you, as it was offered to me. And seeing is believing sometimes, not today, oh my. Uh, I saw once my, a picture of my grandson with green hair. I said, what did you do? Oh, he said, you know what? A friend of mine took, a, took one of my pictures and turned my hair green on his computer, whatever, whatever. Uh, we used to say a picture's worth a thousand words. Picture's not worth anything anymore. That's not any more true than, 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 than the man in the moon, and they didn't find him there when they finally got there. I don't know that they looked for him, but it, they, they didn't mention it anyway. That's the world you live in. There is only one thing that's real in your world, and it's Jesus Christ. There is only one consideration that you ought to have, that today or tomorrow being the, the beginning of the rest of your life, and that is, what do I need to do yet? What's standing in the road of me in my life that Jesus can't take full possession of all that I am. We, we used to sing in a, I used to sing, you know, I used to sing in a quartet years ago. I, I used to be able to sing pretty good. And now I make a joyful noise and God is just as pleased. That's the best I can do now. And that's all he's asking for. But he wants that, loved ones. He wants to be con in control of that. Give it all up. Give it to him. Let him, let him detach and, and, and throw away 
whatever it is that's not only hindering you from, from, from ultimately going to heaven. Heaven's a bonus. If, if there was no heaven and there was no hell, it didn't matter if I was good or bad, I'd still be a Christian for the benefits that, that I, are accrued to me and those that, like me who believe in Christ right in this world. Oh, remember my good friend? I finally spoke to him the other day on the telephone after his 92-year-old brother was baptized in Mansfield. I said, how you doing, Jim? Oh, he said, pretty good. And he had, here was a guy that was a gymnast of gymnasts. This guy had a body that, that Charlie Atlas used to be the, the body perfect when I was a kid. This guy was any time as good as, he could flip out of, the, out of the hay mile and do four cartwheels and hit the floor on his feet. He's now a broken man, he told me. One of my lungs are gone. They had to take one of my lungs out uh, some time back. Uh, he's living with his third wife. His children are calling somebody else dad. And I remember that Sunday when I said to my friend, Jim, uh, I'm going back to church. I, I, I really, really want to go back to church. And he said, Bob, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that too. But he said, you know what? There's just a, a little bit more of the world that I need to see hasn't found it yet. I'm going to close all of this by reading something to you. And I want you to listen to it carefully. And I want you to know that, that I have, I, I've written this, but I've experienced with somebody in every one of these stanzas exactly what these stanzas say. It's a bit long. I'm, I, brevity is not one of my strong points. Right, Michael? It's called Here Am I. The Spirit called. Somehow I knew the voice from heaven came. It beckoned me to come and claim what God had done in Jesus' name. But I was young, and life was filled with foolishness and youthful play. Not now, I said, and quickly turned the messenger of God away. The years passed quickly by, each bringing more and more to do, each moment filled with many tasks that needed done before I'm through. God called again. I quickly answered, here am I. He called to me that day, but I sought neither grace nor help and sent the messenger of God away. With scarcely time to concentrate on things that must be done, it seemed I couldn't finish all before the setting of the sun. The whole world seemed to rest on these shoulders I possess. There wasn't time for soulful things that only caused my weary heart distress. The golden years came into view just when I thought work had no end. My tired mind and weary soul embraced them as a long-lost friend. Now is the time to reap the fruit that years of labor wrought for me, the good times others talked about, the time I never thought I'd see. Then came a voice, familiar now, that called so many times before. Annoyed a bit, I heard him plead with me to seek the kingdom's door. Just when I'm free, to follow dreams long years have held at bay. Again I answered, here, I, here am I, call on me again some other day. Now I am old and quite alone, too frail to follow cherished dreams. My loved ones busy with their lives don't care for me at all, it seems. I wait in silent solitude to once more hear the Savior's call. It's been so long since last I heard, I worry he won't call at all. With deep regret and hopelessness, I wonder what each day will bring or if my fate will always be 
to cope with pain and suffering. But most of all, I live in fear. I'll die among the lost because I answered, here am I, but never realized the cost. Remember now, thy creator, in the days of thy youth, when the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. God bless his word.